I love being part of God's church, and I love being part of this church, because I look at all that God is doing all through the week, uh, through the various programs, what he's doing around the world. It's pretty amazing to be part of that, and I, uh, I don't have any regrets of anything I've given to the church or ministries I've supported, um, because I'm watching lives get transformed by the, the grace of God. I hope you see that too and see these as opportunities to, to continue this legacy for the generations to come. If you're someone who if, didn't um, commit to that or weren't here back in the fall and would like to, there's a, um, a kiosk right by the fireplace area with some literature. There's some videos of what were projects, what the project is going to look like when it's complete, and we welcome you to stop by and look at those things. Um, God, I have a message for you that God wants you to be free, free in every area of your life. Of course, spiritually free from the burden of sin in your life. But it goes even beyond that. The freedom that he gives us through Christ extends to the emotional freedom of being free from the pain of past hurts, the stresses and the fears, anxieties that we carry through our lives. Free relationally to where we can heal those wounds that have come between us and people who were dear to us family members, neighbors, coworkers, people that, that have been separated by, um, by, by past hurts, things that were said, things that were done. God wants us to have peace and freedom in those relationships. God wants us to be free mentally from the messages that have been planted in our minds by an evil enemy called Satan who has whispered lies that we've come to believe many times about ourselves, about God, about life. And God wants us to be free financially. I know that may seem odd for many of us because we don't know what that looks like, but God really does want us to be free financially. And you may think this is, this is a sermon based on what I just shared about a measurable impact and what the church needs, but it's not that. It's, it's not because of what the church needs. It's because of what we need. We need to experience freedom. And many of us have been in positions in our lives where we've not been able to grasp the opportunities that God has put before us because our finances have not been in a good place. And so there have been opportunities to go on a retreat, go on a mission trip, support a missionary, give to a project, even, even the ability to tithe on a regular basis because we've not gotten our, our finances in a place where we experience freedom. And honestly, we really don't even know what it looks like. Uh, debt has become this umbilical cord that has become almost a lifeline to us. It wasn't true in past generations, but probably for most of us in this room, we've grown up just with debt being a normal part of life, a normal and acceptable way of life. And why not? Because our government's big on debt, right? Trillions of dollars of debt, and they keep piling it on year after year. And, you know, I want to blame the, the, uh, the politicians in Washington for failing to make the tough decisions to cut spending. But the reason they won't is because of us. We want all kinds of free things. We want someone else to pay for everything for us. And so, and so they satisfy our desires and keep piling on this debt that just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And someday, someone will pay a big price for that. Someday, there'll be a day of reckoning because of that debt because it cannot go on forever. Debt is an insidious cancer that eats away at really our very heart and our soul and Yet we don't know what it's like to live without it because it's become such a normal, acceptable part of our life. It's like um, we've been handcuffed to this. We've been shackled by debt. And I'll just speak for myself. I, I began to enter into debt when I was 18 and went off to college. I took out a student loan. And from that day to right now, today, I've never been totally debt-free. I've either had a student loan, car payment, or a mortgage and then credit card debt sometimes along the way as well. But I've had debt of some form 
all my life. But you know what? I made a decision and my wife about 20 years ago. We're not going to keep living that way. And so now we see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's pretty exciting. In about eight years, we will be totally debt-free, and I can't wait. Some of you probably have experienced that, and, and praise God. But others of you have, have never even thought that it's a possibility. I mean, debt has been so much a part of your life, you actually intend to die with debt, with mortgage unpaid or credit cards unpaid, and you're going to leave it either for your life insurance policy to pay or for someone else to pay. But I just want you to know God wants you to be free in this area, and it is possible. See, what I've learned is, as, as I really um, process what God's will for us, and I shared it last week with you, but it's really very simple. It's to hear what, God, hear what God says and to believe it, hear and believe what God says, to do what he commands and enjoy what he gives. And if we would do those things, if Adam and Eve would have done those things, it all would have been well. And if we would do those things, if we would just believe what God says, if we would do what he commands... And then we would enjoy what he gives. It would all be great because God wants to bless us. He is a good God, just like we sang about. But we screw it up when we turn away from God and shift over here and lean upon other sources to provide for us. And one of the biggest sources in our lives that we lean on is called credit, which results in debt. And so I want to tell you today that it's time to cut the cord, cut that umbilical cord, cut the dependence that we have upon credit and upon debt, and it is possible. See, here's the truth. God wants us to be free. He wants us to experience freedom in every area of life, but especially in this area of our finances. And if you've never thought it, I want to ask you to do this. Never thought it possible. Would you, would you open your heart as we open the scriptures to maybe see in a different way what, what debt is doing to us and how it really is possible to overcome it. I'm going to just answer three simple questions. The first one is this. Why do we borrow? Well, there's a real simple answer. It allows us to get what we can't afford to get. It allows us to have the things we really can't afford to have. So I want something and I don't have the money to get it because if I had the money to get it, I would buy it. But since I don't have the money to get it, the only way I can get it right now is if I Put it on credit or take out a loan. So it allows us to get what we can't afford and get it immediately. And we know the experience. You're, you're shopping and you see something and you want it. You go, I just can't afford it. And then the salesperson says, hey, we can put that on credit for you. And we can put it in such a way that you won't have to make a payment for another year. And you go, praise God. Wow, what a smoking deal. And so, and so we get it. And that kind of thinking is what's gotten us into all kinds of trouble. See, I remember back when I was a kid, and I, didn't re- I really had no concept of credit cards. My parents never even talked about credit cards, so I really didn't understand them. I just knew that if I wanted something, I had to save up for it. My very first car that I bought when I was 18 was one that I had to save up for. And, you know, I worked at Kmart as a stockman, and I would get my paycheck every Friday. I would put almost all of it in the bank, have a little bit to spend, but most of it would go in the bank because I, I had a goal. If I could get $1,000 in my bank account, then I would start looking for a car. And the, the Friday that I hit $1,000, I was out looking on Saturday and bought my car. A 1965 Ford Fairlane. And what I didn't realize at the time was for an 18-year-old boy to get um, car insurance was really expensive. And I didn't have money for it, so now I couldn't drive my car for several weeks until I had the money to pay for the insurance. But I had that feeling of, of working up to get something, but we don't have to work up to get it anymore. You don't have to save up to get it anymore. You just pull out a piece of plastic and you can have it right, right now. And that's what we're doing. We, we buy 
We buy all kinds of things. We buy TVs. We buy phones. We pay utilities. We go out for dinner. Uh, we buy tickets. We do all kinds of things with credit cards because it's very convenient. The average credit card debt is $8,000. That's the average credit card debt per person in our country. Now, what that does is, is assume everyone has credit card debt. If you take out the people that have no credit card debt, the average goes up to about double that. So those who do have credit card debt, it's, over, it's typically ten to $16,000. Some are in the 20s, 30s, $40,000 of, of credit card debt, and it's just sucking the life out of them. It's, it's eating um, our souls out. Now, there's a passage I never thought of in the context of finances until this week. And I have it wrong. I, it's my mistake in your bulletin. It's not First John chapter 4. It's actually James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He writes, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. Let me just pause right there. If I were just to stop right there, you would think this was a book on marriage and finances. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. Here it says you murder. Well, we would say, so you put it on credit. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You do, when, when you ask and do not receive, it's because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, this obviously is talking about prayer, but it applies to finances because we have these desires, these passions for stuff. I want it. I want it. You've got kids who are growing up this way. You just take them through the grocery store and you start to hear it. Can I have this? Can I have that? Can we have this? You know, I want it. I want it. It's just... We're just trained that way. Advertising trains us that way. And then it causes a lot of quarreling within our marriages and within our families. A lot of fights. In fact, the, 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 most, the most prevalent subject matter that is fought over in a family is finances. And the second cause of divorce is attributed to financial issues. Right behind infidelity. That's number one. Financial issues. Financial issues cause a lot of tension in marriages. Because oftentimes, you'll have this in a marriage. You'll have a, a saver and a spender. And I learned this this week, too, that uh, oftentimes you'll find in families a workaholic who's paired with a shopaholic. And here's what's going on. One person is finding great emotional satisfaction in the accomplishments at work, while this person's then finding their greatest satisfaction through the thrill of buying, and they're feeding each other. He brings it, this person brings in the money and this person finds ways to spend it. And rather than them finding satisfaction in each other, they're finding it outside and it's destroying their relationship. They start to argue over, over the debt that's being built up and you're buying stuff again. Well, you're working all the time. So money just it can be a very complex issue. But one of our problems is we don't even pray about these issues. I mean, when you're ready to buy something, you stop and say, you know, I don't know if we should get that truck, that new truck or not. It looks really good, but honey, let's, let's wait a day and pray about it. We don't do that, typically. We just, we start salivating. <laughs> yeah, you can, have, you can drive off the lot today and we will finance it for you. Five years, you'll have this thing paid off. You go, honey, you know, we can afford the payments. And you know what's amazing is we use that argument a lot as we can afford the payments. We can't afford it, we can just afford the payments. And I find that amazing because, and I've experienced it, so I'm confessing too, I didn't, have, I didn't have the means to save up, you know, $400 a month prior 
to taking out this loan. But once I take it out, oh, we can come up with $400 a month. I'm sure we can come up. We can squeeze this, squeeze it. And now we can make the $400 payment a month. How come we couldn't save that $400 before? What if we would have saved that $400 a month for several months and then paid cash for a vehicle? Wouldn't that have been nice? But no, we, we, we actually borrow money from future promised employment thinking that's going to be there. So I'm going to take money that I'm going to make down the road and leverage it to buy something I, I can have right now. It's just a dangerous practice, and we've all uh, fallen into that trap. We need to stop and ask God, God, what would you have us do with this? Is this something we should have? And I think the reason we don't is because God knows our motives. He knows that we want to spend it on ourselves. He knows it's kind of selfish. You know, I want it because I look good in front of my friends. I, I want to be able to brag about the new phone I have to you know, my, my classmates. I want to show off the new gun or the new clothes or the new truck or the new house. And so there's status involved. Sometimes it's just a lust for more. I want more, more, more. And God says, uh-uh, I'm not going to bless that. I'm not going to give that to you. So rather than talk to God about it, because it's almost like I know what God will say, He'll say no or he'll say not yet. I don't like that answer, so I'm going to talk to my friends. Hey, buddy, I'm thinking about this big truck over here, and what do you think? Well, you know what your friend's going to say? Oh, that'd be awesome. I could just see you in that truck, king of the road. You know, you, you talk to someone and say, man, you look great in that outfit. That would be super. Man, you'd be the hit. You know, we, we find people that will affirm what we want. And, of course, if you ask the salesperson, I don't know if I should really get this. What do you think? I don't know how you can live without it. I really don't. This was meant, this has your name on it. By golly, we'll do everything we can to make it possible for you to have this right now. And, and they make it happen. Here's, here's a sad thing is with credit card debt, the, the rates are so high. After the first year of a new card, it can jump up to 15%, 20%, sometimes up to 25% or more. Now, if you've got a, if you've got a letter in the mail from someone saying, hey, I've got an investment plan for you, and if you would invest in this mutual fund, you're guaranteed to get 16 or maybe even 20% return annually, you would be all over it, wouldn't you? That, you can't find that kind of return anywhere. You'd say, man, I'm getting all over it. 20% gain on my money? That is incredible. Credit card companies have found the exact place to invest and get that kind of return in you. That's what they're doing. They're investing it in you. See, there's two kinds of debt. One is called, um, I, I don't want to call it smart debt. I'd call it acceptable debt. And that would be for something like a house. And the reason a, a mortgage is an acceptable form of debt is because you're going to pay for a place to live, whether it's renting or, or buying a house. And I'll just give you an example. I know a young couple got married a few years ago. Uh, they looked at renting to buying a house. They said, it's going to cost the same to pay a mortgage as to pay rent. And so they scraped together the money to get a down payment, bought a house. Here they are three years later, the value of the house has gone up 50% here in Colorado Springs. If they sold the house today now, they would walk away with, with uh, tens of thousands of dollars profit. Had they been renting for three years, they'd have nothing. So the, the, reason, the reason it's called acceptable debt is because there's equity. You are, you are paying into something that actually you have to show for it. The problem with credit card debt is is you've already consumed the things. You've already have the things. You can't, you're not going to be able to sell the food you bought. You're not going to be able to sell the utilities you paid for. You're not going to be able to sell the tickets you, 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 you bought with that. You don't have anything really that's collateral for the debt. And what's even worse is we roll it over month to month. It's called revolving debt. 
And when I think of things that revolve, they make me seasick. I mean, I get dizzy. They just go round and round. Revolving debt does it. It makes you sick because it goes month to month to month to month. And we're paying 16, 20 or more percent interest on it. And, it's, and we never can kind of get out of it. And here's the reason why. At that kind of interest rate, it's like you take two steps forward and one step back. Several years ago, I took my son to the sand dunes with Steve Wolf. Some of you remember Tanner Wolf. He was one of our uh, interns with the student ministry program. And he was just a little boy, and he had two older brothers. And uh, he and their, the brothers and the dad went with my son and I. We went to the sand dunes near Alamosa. And uh, one morning we got up, and we decided we're going to walk to the top of one of those sand dunes. I'm telling you, it is harder than the incline. Because, because every time you take a step in that sand, you sink in and you go down. And you take another step and you sink in, you go down. You take another step and it seems like forever. Every step up is, is, like, a, is like a half or three-quarter step down. And it's like, man, I'm just hardly making progress. And it took hours to get to the top of that sand dune. I mean, the kids were, were just wiped out. And that makes me think of what it's like to get out of credit card debt. It is like every time you take a step and make a payment of $50, yeah, you're paying $50, but the interest, though, is being added to it, and so you're sliding back again. And it seems like I can never catch up. And, the, and in addition to that, we keep adding debt to it. And so if you have debt that's rolling over month to month on your credit cards, it can feel like something that you're going to live with the rest of your life. I just challenge you, go back, add up this past year how much interest you paid on credit cards and your mortgage and your loans, and you'll be stunned for most of us, it'd be over $10,000 of interest payments. Now, think of that. If you had $10,000 that someone would say, here, here's $10,000 you can have back if you, stop, if you stop using credit. Wouldn't you want that? $10,000 would go a long ways toward other things. So debt is a destructive thing. It's, it's very dangerous. In Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. See, the issue isn't so much what we can afford, but really what is the wise choice. And the wise choice comes to this. God, how can I love you and other people with the resources you've given to me? Because sometimes you actually could afford to get it. It's just not a wise choice. And so we really need to just stop and pray, God, is this the best thing? Is this, is this honoring to you? Is this how you'd want me to spend the resources you've given to me? The other day, uh, I was, it was Pi Day, March March 14th, 3.14, it was pie. Some pizza places offered specials. So I went downtown to, to get some pizzas. And on the drive down there, the Lord just put on my heart, buy some extra ones to give away. I said, oh, yeah, I could do that. So I, I ordered five pizzas. And as I left, as, as, just as I left the store, I came down to a, um, a stoplight. And I was the first car at the stoplight. And right next to me is a homeless man with a cardboard sign. And, uh, and God just whispered, there's your first and so I rolled the window down and, and offered the man a pizza. He looked at me really weird, thought I was giving him a bunch of crust in a box. I said, no, it's actually a whole pizza in here, never been touched, it's yours. And he said, thank you. And I drove on. I said, that felt really good that I just could bless someone. And then I was able to, to give one to someone else, a neighbor of ours who's Italian and knew that they would love pizza. So, uh, you know, they're years ago. Wow. What? I, they do. They like pizza. We know them. They used to always go to Bambino's Buffet every Friday, so I know they love pizza. So uh, years ago, I wouldn't even thought that. 
Because I would be thinking of, you know, we can't afford to give away things. We can't afford to do that. We have our own needs, our own bills to pay. And See, when, when we're so focused on just paying the debts and, and we're hounded by that, we can't even listen to the Holy Spirit and respond as God brings opportunities. Wouldn't it be great to be in a place where you're free to love with the money God's given you? It's a great feeling. Here's another question we need to answer. What does debt do to us? Uh, there's a story in, in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Now, David is on the run. David's been anointed to be the next king of Israel, but he's on the run. He, it's, it's over 10 years before he actually gets installed as king because there's a, a, a ruthless king named King Saul who's in power. And so David's running like a fugitive. And then it says in this passage, and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him and he became commander over them and there were with him about 400 men. So here's David on the run, and there are other people who are going through tough times in life, and they say, you know, David's our man. It's kind of like when you elect a politician. I want one that identifies with me, you know, that's going to save me. David understands us. Let's go to him. So all those who are distressed come run into David. All those who are bitter in soul, I don't know what that all means, but, man, they're, they're, they're deep down. They're in a lot of pain. They come looking for David and those that have debt. I just found it interesting that, that those with debts got thrown in the midst of these other distressful situations. And, and it is because debt isn't a good place to be. It's not, it's not good to be in debt. In fact, the Bible describes debt in these terms. What does debt do to us? It puts us into bondage. Puts us into bondage. Listen to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave of the lender. That when you take out a loan, when you use a credit card, now you have an obligation to that person. They own a piece of you. They own a piece of your job, your paycheck. You, you now volunteer to serve them with your money. And it's, a, it's not a good position to be in. Now, it doesn't say it's sinful. It doesn't say to use debt is sinful. The Bible never says that. In fact, I'll just tell you this. If, you, if you're one who takes that position, God talks to his people about being lenders. If, if borrowing is sinful, why in the world is God causing his people to contribute to it. He says, I want you to be the lenders, not the borrowers. I want you, and I want you to be a blessing in lending to people. But back to this. It doesn't say it's sinful. It's just unwise. It's not a good place to be. It's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of things in life that the Bible doesn't come right and say is sinful. You just know it's probably not the best thing. It's not, it's not a good thing to smoke, right? It's not a good thing to smoke. It's not a good thing to eat McDonald's for lunch every day. It's not a good thing to watch celebrity wife swap or, or bachelor in paradise. This is not a good thing for you, okay? So it doesn't say it's sinful, just it's not real wise, okay? Maybe I stepped on somebody's toe with my shows there, but <laughs> it, it forms a kind of bondage. Now, debt costs us in a lot of different ways. It'll cost you financially. As I said, you are paying more. For example, let's take a mortgage, which actually is a pretty low-rated uh, low rate of a loan. It's like 4.5% possibly, maybe 4%. At 4.5% on a 30-year mortgage, you will pay about 80% of the value of the house in interest. So a $200,000 house, by the time 30 years pass, you'll pay 360000 for it, which means I, the, I paid $160,000 for the privilege of borrowing money from this bank. Wow, that's a lot of money. You know what? That, that really bothered me when I saw the interest payments. So my wife and I made a decision many years ago that as soon as we could, we were going we to swap to a 15-year mortgage. I just want to tell you what that did. 
it cost us about $200 more a month. That was a jump. But here's what it did. That $200 went into the principal, not the interest. It shortened the length of our loan to only 15 years, only cost a couple hundred dollars more a month, and it built the equity faster in our house so that when the year came that we sold that house, we had it paid down to about $40,000. And it can save you a lot of money if you make that leap up. You get a lower interest rate, and you just can chunk away at it. Now, when we moved to another house, we, we ended up having to take a 30-year loan out again. But again, when, when the interest rates dropped to historic lows, we got the 3% rate again and are doing the same thing. That's why right now we have about eight years left on that mortgage, and we will be totally debt-free at that point. There is a cost financially, and credit cards and all those are so much more. And right in the middle of, of mortgages and credit cards are student loans. They're not cheap. They can cost us a lot, too. Student loans used to be called acceptable debt because it helped you to get a job that, may, that allowed you to make the money to pay that debt back, but it's not so true anymore because most people don't enter the field of their education. So you can so you rack up tens of thousands of, of dollars of debt, and then, then you have forever to pay for it. I remember when I went up to college, I was facing this square. I, I, I took $8,000 out the first year. Second, second year started, I took out another 4000 and I started adding up. I said, by the time I get through with Bible college, I'll have $32,000 in debt. How am I going to pay that off as a pastor? That's, that's going to be really tough. So at that point, I made a decision. I'm going to start paying as I went. And I got part-time jobs. And believe it or not, I was able to pay for every semester for the next two and a half years. And then um, graduate school on top of it. Never added to my student loan debt. There's something that happens even... Um, spiritually and psychologically, when you make a commitment of, I'm going to pay as I go. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Debt costs us financially. It also costs us emotionally and spiritually. That's why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, sin is equated to debt. Even in some of Jesus' parables, sin is equated to somebody owing somebody something. And God wants us to be alleviated uh, from those debts. The problem is if we keep carrying it on, it can actually lead us into sinful behaviors like not paying back our debt, as Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm 37, 21 says. So how do we cut the cord? Dave Ramsey would say, well, you do it by cutting the card. Cut the card. Cut your credit card. Get rid of it because it's, it's, it's just it's killing you. And some of us have to go to that extreme measure to get away from debt. But you don't have to. I'm not advocating go home and cut up all your credit cards, though that's not a bad idea. Go to Strictly Cash. Um, I use a credit card, but I'll tell you this. We pay it off every single month, and so we're not paying interest. And here's what's helped me, and, and I think could help you and help all of us. Just these simple steps. The biggest one is this. Increase your level of trust in God and your revulsion toward debt. Decide that, hey, if God wants me to have it, he's gonna provide for it. And I'm going to trust that in his time, I will have the things that I desire and that I need. But I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to have this almost hatred toward debt. Like, I know it's destructive. I know it's bad. I don't want it. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm, not, I'm tired of paying Chase and, and paying MasterCard and paying, you know, Kohl's and all these other firms. I'm tired of paying them my hard-earned money. I'm not going to do it anymore. So get this kind of revulsion toward debt. Then only use credit sparingly when you need to, and then pay it off every month. If you're not paying interest, if you can pay it off every month, 
That's a good discipline. Pay it off. Don't let it roll over. Don't let it accumulate. Just pay it off every month. If you can get in that discipline, it will bless you. Pound a stake in the ground. We're not going to keep putting consumables and things we can't afford on credit. Now, I do some things on my credit card just because it's easier to pay some bills, and they're just set up to use my credit card. But make sure you pay it off every month. And then attack those loans. Pay them down as fast as you can. Just start going after those debts, uh, credit cards, the, the student loans, and then, then eventually your mortgage. Dave Ramsey would say to do it with gazelle-like intensity. Pay them off. Pay them off as fast as you can. And here's two ways you can do that. One is called the snowball method. Snowball method is you, pay a, you find the smallest loan, pay it off, and then go to the next smallest loan because if you do that, you start to build up emotional momentum. Like, hey, I'm getting victory over this thing, and I'm, I'm winning the battle over debt with, sooner rather than later. So you get the smallest one, you knock it off. But there's actually a smarter way, and that is the avalanche method, which is to go after the highest interest rate first. Whatever that is. Get that out of the way as fast as you can and then take that money and put it toward the next highest piece of interest rate. And then you end up, like us, we left our mortgage. That was the one thing about 10 years ago. We said that's the one thing we're not going to pay off right away. One, there's some deductions with that, but that wasn't the primary motivation. The, The primary motivation was we need to build up savings. We have no savings. And in order for us to pay cash for stuff, we have to have savings And so we started putting money in savings so that if the dishwasher would break down or there would be a a medical emergency or even if we would need a new car, we have money saved up now that we can pay cash for it. And I just want to tell you, it is an incredible feeling to walk into a place and open up your wallet and pay cash for something. It's a beautiful thing to do. Plus, you can negotiate when you have cash. So it's a power is in your hands when you're when you have cash. Now Dave Ramsey would say, "Well, don't use a credit card. You can use a debit card. It's just like cash. It'll do everything that cash can, except and everything that a credit card can, except put you in debt. So it's a great thing. So God wants us to to just break the shackles of the debt, so we can respond to Him as He desires. Because debt, debt is so much like sin. It gets a grip on us and it won't let go. And here's what Jesus did for us: Colossians chapter two. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. God wants you to be free in every area of your life, starting first with the spiritual area. And maybe you've made mistakes in this area of your finances. Maybe you've you've failed to trust God in this area. But I would suspect that all of us have other areas in our lives where we've not trusted God and not obeyed God. And this is a time for us just to come before a God who is gracious enough to wipe the slates clean, to remove all the debts that we have against him, all the sins we've done. As Pastor Matt said earlier, he went to the cross and shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. And so that over our account, it would say, no debt owed. It's been paid in full through the blood of Christ. And so we're going to sing about that sacrifice this morning. And I'm going to ask you to stand. Prayer partners, if you'd be available up front, if you need to trust him today, if you need to recognize the goodness in the grace of God that forgives your debt, or maybe you've got a specific issue you're wrestling with, a specific trust issue, you want to surrender before God today, come forward for prayers we sing. God is gracious, and he desires you to have freedom today.